Welcome to Troubleshooting Innovation, a commercial baking podcast sponsored by AB Mori North America, a global leader in yeast and bakery ingredient technology. When it comes to baking, who's behind you matters. I'm your host, Joni Spencer, Editor-in-Chief of Commercial Baking, and I'm spending this season with Josh Allen, award-winning artisan baker and founder of Companion Baking in St. Louis. Together, we are discovering new ways to redefine commercial artisan bakery production. In this episode, our conversation revolves around the importance of the intention behind product development. Josh, thanks for joining me again this week. Oh, it's great to be back. Thanks for having me again. So this week, I chose this topic because we've had some interesting discussions around what it means to be artisan. So I'd like to kick this episode off by picking your brain on what terms like artisan and craft mean to you. I think in general, they both, to me, they both mean the same thing, which is bread or baked goods made with intention. And that's a word that you used. And and that's certainly a word that we use here. We don't ever really formally or informally refer to ourselves as an artisan bakery. I sort of believe in Nancy Silverton's approach that I heard once where she talks about, you know, once you go to mechanization, really in any process, you're you're getting away from an artisanal product that should be made by hand and baked in an oven, forged by fire. And, you know, I, I do believe that that's true. But I also think that there are plenty of instances in which even following artisanal processes doesn't necessarily mean they're intentional and there can be not great product produced by hand baked in a wood-fired oven. And I think there can be some terrific products produced with full mechanization and automation all the way through, depending on the intention of the baker and the bakers involved. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I will tell you that I could make a bread by hand and it most certainly would not be an artisan bread. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely the case. And I think it's hard to bring that intention to everything that you do. And that's certainly a challenge that we have. And almost 30 years into the craft, it becomes a challenge every day and making sure that as new bakers come into the fold here, that we communicate that and that even though it might be a line running or it might be a mixer that you turn on, we're still paying attention and we still have to pay attention to the temperature of the ingredients and the development of that dough and that it isn't it's not always set the mixer for 11 minutes and and that's the end of it that things do change that humidity does have an effect and age of the starter or the pre-ferment that you know we have to pay attention to all of the little things and all of the details it's great that the backbreaking part of it may be eliminated because of mechanization but where we use our brains and and where we use our instincts doesn't change Right. And, you know, I was just having a conversation about how with automation, you don't take the thinking out of it. You can't treat a human being like a robot. There has to be a thought process that goes into bread production. If there's anything that we've seen is that you need more brain power with automation um, as opposed to less. Um, I think there's a there's an instinctual feel that comes making a loaf of bread by hand. And those that have done it sort of understand that as you knead and develop that dough in your hands, that can sort of take over just the feel of what's happening. And that feel goes away when you're again, mixing in a machine and and running on an automated line or even semi-automated line. And so you really have to pay attention. Your other senses have to be heightened to ensure that we're doing the right things. Yeah. And you know, I want to go back to our very first episode, something 
that you mentioned, and it's also something that we talked about a little bit when I visited your bakery. And that's how with the right intention, something as simple as a hoagie bun could in many ways be just as beautiful as an artisan loaf from Tartine. Can you share an example of how you've experienced that? Well, certainly, I guess beauty in that case would be in the eye of the beholder. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. We we developed a po' boy bread for a chef in St. Louis who actually has multiple restaurants in St. Louis and then uh, multiple restaurants in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And his name is Kevin Nash, and he's a very good friend of ours. He's one of only two James Beard winners that we've created here in St. Louis. And so we're super proud of him. And we enjoy product development with really everybody in the industry, but it's really fun with folks that are that skilled and that meticulous. And, and that passionate about what they do. And Kevin was creating a concept called Peacemaker. And a Peacemaker is essentially uh, the poor boy that traveled south from the Northeast down to Louisiana. And, and he was looking to create a very specific hoagie, basically, and one that he was going to handle uniquely in his restaurant and build a really amazing sandwich program with fried oysters and a lot of different things that he wanted to do on this. And he had very specific intentions, to use the word we've been using, for that product. And the development time on that was, it took a long time to get him what he wanted. And we really enjoyed it and got a kick out of it. And it was kind of a, a very passion project for all of us because he really had this incredible sense of how he wanted the whole experience to be for his customer. And he even changed throughout, you know, initially he was going to warm it in a convection oven. So it would have kind of that shattering crust that sometimes you see in poor boy sandwiches. And then he ended up going to like an oyster butter on a flat top and it changed the texture he wanted on the outside and the inside. And look, it wasn't easy to do. It's still not easy to continue to replicate for him on an ongoing basis because we know he's paying attention. He's the one on the line a lot of times making the sandwiches. And so um, that really kind of reiterated for me how important it was for us to pay attention to everything, to a great burger bun, to a great hoagie, to a really nice, you know, hearth-baked sourdough bread. Like it really doesn't matter. Like if passion comes from us to create and help the customer tell their story, which is what we talked about initially, if that narrative is theirs and they have that and bread's going to play a role in that narrative, then then what we do every day for them is super important because it's not a throwaway to them and it can't be a throwaway to us. And, you know, I think certainly with Instagram and, and social media, you know, the world gets caught up in these beautiful, dark, crusted, blister loaves of sourdough bread. And I'm as big of a fan as anybody of those things. But really, in, in the end, I do strongly believe that making beautiful bread for a customer and beauty is what they're looking for, what the characteristics that are super important to them for them to tell that story is every bit as challenging as, as that. And every bit as interesting and every bit, <laughs> every bit as challenging for us to do. And that's what sort of gets us out of bed every day. This is one of my favorite things that I've learned from you in all of our conversations that we've been having, that it really changes how you think about, like you said, beauty in the eye of the beholder. Because I remember you telling me a little bit about the po' boy sandwich and how you said you took some of those hoagie rolls home with you. And it's like, yeah, when it's sitting on my kitchen table, it's like, okay, it's a hoagie roll. But the fact that you can create something so award-winning when it's on that plate and such a beautiful sandwich, even though at first glance, it looks like it's just a roll, that is so incredible to think about the things that a baker can produce with a loaf of bread. 
And to think about what a chef can do. Yeah. I mean, certainly if Chef Kevin deserves all the credit for that sandwich and, you know, we created for him what he wanted. We gave him the vehicle for him to tell his story. And he then, you know, he is the one that makes it sing. And yeah, like I told you, I took it home and my kids are like, what is this? This looks like a underbaked, you know, little slab of dough, which essentially is what that poor boy kind of has that appearance of. But then when he puts it on the flat top with oyster butter and grills the inside and creates that interior texture to match up against the fried oyster, but still the soft exterior, like the whole thing kind of comes together in a way that's really amazing. And, you know, I, I honestly don't take any credit for it. It's all him. And it was all with his direction. And then us, um, and I give Josh Galliano here, our innovation leader, you know, huge props because he was a big part of that development and helping us figure out how to do it. And, you know, that's been really fun for us. And then it's fun to see the restaurant get the awards and, and the accolades and people talk about that sandwich and they don't talk about us in relation to that sandwich. And that's, again, it's not our story to tell, but we want to keep helping push that along and, and making that product available. And when that stuff happens, you create a customer for a long time. Like it's going to be hard. I believe it would be hard for Kevin to go somewhere else and have somebody care as much about helping him tell his story as we do. And, you know, we've been doing business with him for an awful long time. And, you know, knock on wood, if we continue to do what we're doing right, you know, we don't see that changing because we're invested in that with him. And that, that means a lot to folks. Yeah. And you know, that's a great segue to the next thing I wanted to ask you. And that is, what's the secret to truly intentional product development? Because, you know, don't they say that the road to hell is paved with good intentions? So can you rely just on the intention? Like, what is it? How do you effectively turn intention into practice? Well, we've built our business model around it. So for us, it works. I mean, as we talked about initially, you know, our business is built on these relationships with our end customers and helping them tell their story. That's what we do. That's what we value. That's the mission every day that we that we bring here. We're, we're really not a bakery for the most part. We do have a handful of items that sell under our brand that maybe we're known for or that we happen to have a good following for. But for the most part, the majority of our business comes from us helping other people tell their story. And nobody really ever knows that it's our stuff and that's okay. Because of that, that's how we do product development here. Again, we don't we don't do a lot of product development where we sit in a room and say, we think the market is ready for chocolate chip, strawberry bread, and this is what it's going to look like and how it's going to be packaged. And let's take this to market and go out and flood the marketplace with this particular product. It's just not what we do. What we do is identify customers, mainly multi-unit operators that have you know enough volume where it really makes sense for us to be talking to them, but not so big where they're necessarily able to to go to a real large manufacturer and get help. So for us, that sweet spot is like, you know, 15 to 250 units probably or something like that. Delis, restaurants, small grocery stores. We go and develop those relationships and help them solve their problems or help them tell stories that they're not yet able to tell. And so the development is very intentional to, again, goes back to that word, but the development is very intentional in that we're, we're looking to solve a problem or find a product or develop a product for them that they feel like they have a need for. It's not, again, pushing something into the marketplace. It's just a different way of doing business. It's the niche that we find ourselves in. And it happens to be really because what we it's what we love to do. It's sort of, again, I grew up in developing relationships in the food business, have enjoyed that all the way through. And so for me, it's a lot more fun to work with a chef or, or work with a culinary director of a, of a large group and say, okay, 
What problems can we solve? What do you need? What's coming in the pipeline? What's, what's in menu development? What can we do to help you tell that story? And that's what we're developing against, which is, again, different than us taking a shot at where we think the market's going or what the next trend is. So then the product development becomes intentional in that. And then we have to say, okay, what is the final application? You know, that tells us what kind of oven system we use as a you know, convection oven or hearth oven. What, what kind of divider do we use? How do we mix that? Does it have a pre-ferment? Does it have a sourdough starter or a levan? Is that nothing because the flavor development is less forward and less acidic? You know, all the different things that we're going to talk to them about before we ever even turn on a mixer to show them a product. We want to go through that exercise with them to truly understand what the need is and what it looks like. And, and we can kind of go through that whole thing. And we're very transparent in the process of this is the kind of price point we could hit or couldn't hit. And a lot of instances when we go through these exercises, you know, it turns out that we're just not the right answer. You know, maybe they too price conscious or too price forward and we're never going to be the cheapest person. We're never going to be able to produce the product the least expensively. But again, the conversation is where a lot of this kind of stuff flushes out. And that's really, again, the intention of it is to go through it so that we get a full understanding. And then way down the line, we'll start putting some products together and, and show them some stuff. And we save a lot of time and energy for ourselves and, and candidly for them as well. If we, the more conversations we can have before we start tasting bread. So it seems like the relationship is a critical part of the intention. Like you can't be intentional without understanding what the relationship is between you and your customer, right? Absolutely. And and it's not easy to compete on that. That's our point of difference though, right? Like we want to do that. That's what gets us excited. There are plenty of manufacturers that use broker networks across the country. And so you may never speak to the manufacturer. You may never talk to the baker. You're talking to a network of brokers who are making products available or salespeople via broadline distributors who you know, are selling things out of a book and they happen to be selling bread, but they don't have an intimate knowledge or a passion. So they can tell you, here's the 12 stock SKUs that we have in the freezer, but if you need something special or you want something developed, that's not something that we can do. You can pick from one of these items and see if one of these things works for you. And so our point of difference is the eagerness, not only the ability, but the eagerness to want to go sit down with the customer and try to figure that out. And uh, it's a longer process. It's, you know, it's, it doesn't necessarily yield, you know, a speedy sale because we're going through, we have to go through that whole development process with almost every customer. But again, it, it solidifies it. It sets an anchor differently than we would set if it's, just if we're just another SKU um, on somebody's stock list. And uh, it really does, it develops a relationship and it's hard to compete with a relationship. This episode is brought to you by AB Mori North America. Be sure to check out AB Mori North America's new podcast, The Oven Light, available through Apple iTunes and Spotify. Let the expert team from ABMNA shed some light on ingredients, finished baked goods, technical and customer service, and everything in between to create a successful and rewarding baking experience. AB Mori, passionate about baking. Learn more at abmna.com. Honestly, I would argue that artisan bread relies just as much 
on the relationship and why you're creating that bread as it does what type of oven it goes into. Because again, I could make bread in my kitchen, not in an industrial oven, and it would not be artisan. Like you can throw those ingredients together and make a loaf of bread. And just because it's not mechanized doesn't mean that it's not artisan. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I agree. And, you know, we're not naive enough or not so naive as to think that everybody cares, right? Like we, we talk to plenty of customers who, hey, how much is that hamburger bun? And we turn a lot of things off a lot because we recognize that, you know, not everybody is Chef Kevin Nash and who's passionate about creating this incredible sandwich. But we're just trying to seek those people out. Like there's enough of those people that we can keep ourselves busy and we don't try to compete on the commodity side of things because we're just, we're not that good. We're not that efficient. We can't buy in big enough scale to get our ingredient costs down. You know, we're, we're never going to compete on the commodity side of hamburger buns or dinner rolls or, or even really nice baguettes because there are, there are operations that are set to produce those at scale and really great quality stuff a lot less expensively than we're able to do it. But we're looking for the customers, you know, we're on the hunt always for the customers that are interested in telling a story. And they're the fun ones that we go find and that we go seek out. And, and I will say that nine times out of 10, they're like blown away that there's a manufacturer that carries that same passion. And they really enjoy the process as well because they didn't necessarily know that they could find that kind of vendor support that would be interested in, in even helping them do that. Yeah. And I mean, I have to say that I haven't talked to a lot of bakers that have this perspective that you do. So I do, I agree that it's such an intriguing point of differentiation for your bakery. Yeah. I mean, we, it, it's, we're, we're finding that to be, you know, we got to go find those people and, and, and we got to continue to get the word out. And, and obviously, hopefully these kinds of podcast opportunities for me help us tell our story, <laughs> which is that we're interested in helping others tell their story. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's many of us. And I think that it becomes a unique sales process when you do it, because in, in most instances, when you set that first meeting up, most people are expecting you to open a bag and throw your loaves out on the table and say, here, Here's all the features and benefits of the things that we do and, and what we make. And we take it completely differently, right? Like we walk into that room and we say, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Or what's the story that you want to tell? Or what's missing from what you're doing that's not working? And so before we show you something that we think, how do we, how can I show you something to fix a problem if I don't know what your problem is? And so we have to go through that exercise first. And some people get, they don't, they're not interested in that. They get turned off by that, but other people are really intrigued by that. And it's opened up some doors for us that allowed us to continue to grow the business and hopefully we'll continue to do so in the future. Man, I would love to be a fly on the wall when you have that initial conversation, when they're just expecting you to sort of list the menu of your products and you launch into a conversation about let's talk about your problems and your pain points and how we can help you solve that. I'd love to see the reactions from your customers. You know, the, we have a, a couple of salespeople that travel quite a bit and do a lot of work on the phone and, and a lot of their experiences, I mean, they do the same thing and, and they do it better than I do. It's certainly, you get a few hangups and you get a few folks that aren't interested in that. You know, again, like I said, just tell me how much your bread costs or tell me what you've got. And we recognize that those aren't the customers that we're going to keep long-term and those aren't the relationships that we want to spend a whole heck of a lot of energy trying to build. But once we get there and once we can get folks to sit down and open up about that, it really is 
it's really kind of amazing actually because some of the things that we that we learn are are unique some things have nothing to do with the product and have everything to do with logistics or distribution or a willingness to try things that are different or hey could you put it in this size box for me because you know we've invested in all of these reach in coolers that are this size and our other manufacturers box doesn't fit and you know they're not willing to change the size of the box and you know sometimes that's nothing to do with the bread right like it's sometimes there are problems are this baker only works through this distributor but I'm getting ready to change and go to this distributor are you open to that and again we in a culture of yes most of the time we say yes and figure out if that's a good decision or not later but but we're going through that exercise with them but most people don't ask that right they don't ask what's not working most people just want to show their features and their benefits and it's easy because we you know we're proud of what we do so so it is you do have that tendency to want to go there with a bag of bread and show folks this is our beautiful brioche bun and this is our french baguette and here's all this great stuff that we're making but in the end they could be sitting there with a problem that has nothing to do with anything sitting on the table and now you're starting to waste their time and now they're fidgeting and try, trying to get out of the meeting. And so when when you turn it around and you just say, look, I don't have anything today, but let's have a conversation about what's not working and what you want. And then I'll come back with hopefully what it is you're looking for. Um, again, it slows it down a little bit. It's not an easy process to go through, but it's definitely worth it in the end. But, you know, if you think about artisan bread from just a production standpoint, it's a slow process. And so I feel like you are looking at the entire relationship through the eyes of an artisan that you want to take your time to get to know them and find out what those problems are to create something really meaningful and then come back and show them not here's the beautiful bread that I made, but here's the beautiful bread that I made for you. Oh, absolutely. And I think the holistic approach to it you know, early on when we started, the holistic approach was what's my display going to look like at the farmer's market or in this small grocery store? And that was the end of the bread. And so I, the intention was I got to make it look nice at that point and then let's work backwards from there. And what kind of oven and what time does it have to come out of the oven? How do I set my schedule? And, and now we're starting to recognize it's taken a long time that it's the plate inside of a restaurant. And for us now, because we go through frozen distribution, like we have to think about it all the way through. How's it going to get packaged? How does it get palletized? What's the logistics of getting it from St. Louis to to somewhere in Pennsylvania or Denver, Colorado? And how do we get it all the way there and onto the plate of the customer so that they can tell their story? And we got to think about all those steps in that process. And so that holistic approach, you know, it's not trying to force a round peg into a square hole. We've got to think about it from the beginning and work backwards from there. How do you want that to come into you? What's that look like? Does pack size make a difference to you? You know, we got to ask all those questions so that when we come back with an answer, we've got it all answered. Because sometimes you can solve a problem on the product and then you realize, well, wait a minute, I can't get it to you because that product isn't going to fit in the box. We've had conversations with folks who say, look, we need a 24-inch baguette. And being naive or ignorant or whatever term, we go through this exercise and then we realize that a pallet's 48 inches and a box has to be 25 inches if you want to hold a 24-inch baguette. And it's not going to fit on the pallet. Like I can't ship you 24-inch baguettes. And so had we thought about that, you know, maybe we would have made them to a 12-inch baguette. Or is there a different size? Can we think about what you're serving? Is there a way to do this differently so that, that it's going to fit in the case, which is going to maximize the cube on the truck? And it's going to, you know, we've got to think about it all the way through. And we've made 
made enough mistakes in that yes culture of ours to start to learn to ask more questions. And to me, knowledge for us just allows us, it just allows us to ask better questions. And that every time we learn something, it means we have a new question we get to ask. It doesn't mean that we know more about anything. I love it. I love it. Um, so I just can't help but wonder, Josh, when we look at the state of the baking industry and where do we go from here, how do you think innovation could change in our industry? If every baker, no matter what they made, even if it is just those high-speed hamburger buns, how could innovation change if they went at their product development with this kind of mindset, like the mindset of artisan? Well, I think the specialization is certainly happening. And I think we're starting to see, I think as the food industry evolves, differentiation becomes the biggest thing, right? Like there are so many great places selling chicken tenders or so many great burger places or whatever it is that you're seeing and and take the chicken sandwich phenomenon that's going on across the country, whatever it is. And the way that they're going to differentiate themselves is via all of those ingredients. And um, I think the bakers have to start thinking about that all the way through. And I recognize that there are limitations on equipment and speed and price and, and everything has to be part of it. But as we talked about at the beginning, as long as the intention is right, those are the constraints that you have to work around. And I do believe because constraints bring greater creativity as opposed to less creativity because you, you sort of know the box that you're dealing in and then you can start to get creative within that. But I think it's just, I, as we talked about, I think it's just intention. So any baker can put a strong intention to take care of the customer into that, into their process and developing those relationships. And, you know, it it, it may not be in the larger scale commercial sense, something that's, that's particularly important. And, and obviously, we are not very big. And so somebody much larger than us could sort of smile and smirk and say, that's great for the, for the little guy in St. Louis to do that. And that's cool. Like that's where we're going to find our growth vehicle for us in doing that. But we intend at whatever size we get, and we won't put a limitation on that because we don't know, but that this is how we're going to continue to grow the business because it's what we have a passion for. We have a passion for making a great product, but we have a passion for making a great product for somebody. And and finding those somebodies is really, that's the harder part than it is making the great product. I love that. I love this insight, Josh. It's just, it's so different and it's really refreshing. I love it. So thank you so much. Those are really all my questions for this episode. I'm really looking forward to next week because we're going to take this a little bit of a step further and invite a special guest into this conversation that we've been having. And that is, you mentioned him earlier today, and that's Josh Galliano, your head of innovation. There's a really unique relationship there because he was actually pretty much a customer at one point, right? He was a customer and he was a multi-time nominated James Beard chef and and just a tremendous culinarian. I don't know what word you're supposed to use. Super good cook um, and a great guy and was always posting bread pictures on his Instagram account. And I mean, the, the guy would work all hours of the night. He'd go home and make bread for his family. And yeah, I just reached out to him one day and I said, maybe it's time we stop just posting pictures on Instagram and you come in here and you start making bread. And it was a, it was a good time for him to make a change. He's got a, a young, a beautiful young family. He lives outside of St. Louis a ways on a farm. And it's really been, I hope, I think it's been a really great fit for him. And he brings such a wonderful perspective to the conversations that we can have with our customers because he understands much better than I do what their challenges are. And, and he can talk the talk and he can walk the walk and he can go into the kitchens with them and really kind of see 
what they need and and what they're looking for. And he has such a such a wonderful demeanor, but also just a great perspective and so much knowledge. So yeah, he he has been a, a great asset for us. I cannot wait to have a conversation with both of you because I feel like you alluded to this. He's sort of the key to putting all of this intention that you have into practice. And I think you guys are a great team and I'm excited to invite him into the conversation next week. Well, I look forward to it. All right, Josh, thanks again. And I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Troubleshooting Innovation. And a special thank you to our sponsor, A.B. Mori North America. With quality bakery ingredient solutions, backed by both leading technology and technical support, A.B. Mori North America supports industrial and artisan bakers and reminds you that who's behind you matters. Learn more at abmna.com.